Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, will begin there. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Or the old King James uses the terminology, a good report. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Sometimes people have a real problem with that, but it's true. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken... He had this testimony that he pleased God. And then verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. Believe what? Believe that he is and. Everybody say and. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to speak to us through your holy written word. We know that when we open our Bible, it's you talking to us. When we read the Bible, the Bible is reading us. Your revelation knowledge and insight from the word will bring us to places of faith to receive everything the Word says belongs to us. And Father, we thank you for the precious gifts and ministries and blessings that do belong to us because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the great redemptive price that was paid. So Lord, open our eyes tonight to see. Help us to understand that which you want to say to us. And I give you praise and thanks. For utterance in the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My title for this message tonight is Faith Is. Faith Is. Now look at the first verse again of Hebrews 11. Now faith is. Of course, now is a conjunction connecting what came before with that which is to come after. You understand, I'm sure, most of you at least, maybe all of you, that your Bible was not written in chapter and verse. This was added by the translators to help us reference scriptures, and we're glad they did that. But you, you have to keep in mind that in the original, there were no chapters or verses here, so the word now is a conjunction. It's not a signification of tense or time. However, the next two words does make clear the tense, if you will, of faith, because it says faith is. Not faith was, or faith will be, but faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is. Let's just begin to take this apart and look at it a little bit. This message changed my life. This is a message that once I began to hear and understand some things about it, it's, my life's never been the same since. And I've been a student of this for many years. I don't know everything there is to know. I'm still learning, but I want to uh, learn some more. And so I want you to learn along with me. So let's look at this, this idea of what faith is. Number one, faith is substance. Substance. The word substance is a word that means, can also be translated confidence. Or confident and of course substance so I would tell you this and I think we could be in agreement on it faith is spiritual substance faith is heavenly materiality now this pulpit that I'm using has some kind of an acrylic top here it is made of something, I imagine some kind of polymers, some kind of maybe uh, petroleum uh, base, something. Anyway, uh, I can see it, you can see it, I can feel it, 
I guess I could taste it, but I won't try that one. Um, but there's substance to it. There is physical, natural substance. These posts that hold it up, they're made of metal. And so they're a different substance, but yet they are a physical substance. You can see them. You can feel them. You can taste them. So things that are natural, substances in the natural, can be perceived naturally. You can, with your five senses, one or more of the five senses you have, you can, you can see it or you can taste it or you can feel it. You, you perceive it in some kind of way. Well, faith isn't a polymer. It's not an acrylic. It's not a piece of metal. Faith is not blocks and mortar. It's not carpet fibers. Faith is not a natural substance, but it is substance nonetheless. This is really important to understand because faith is not a mental concept. It is not an intellectual idea. Faith is not a product of your five senses. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a spiritual substance, a heavenly materiality that is produced when we hear the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so that's the way faith comes. Faith doesn't come by praying for it. It doesn't come by fasting for it. Faith doesn't come because we feel a certain way or we don't feel a certain way. Faith comes one way, and that is through the Word of God. And just like in the natural, we can perceive natural substances. If your eyes were opened in the spiritual dimension adequately, you could also perceive, or you could also see, we might use that term, faith in that realm. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 2, in verse number 5, for instance, there was a man who was lame, and he had four friends that wanted to get him into the presence of Jesus. And if you read the passage, you know that Jesus was there in a house. He was teaching, and the house was full. There were doctors of the law. There were Pharisees there. There were all these big-time religious people there. I don't know how many donkeys were parked outside. I don't know what all was going on, but the place was full. And the power, the Bible says, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So this was a healing meeting from God's perspective. But the interesting thing is not one of those people got healed. None of those people that were sitting in the room got healed. There was only one person that day that got healed. And that was a man that these four people brought, carrying him on his cot or his bed, whatever it was. They brought him in, uh, not through the door, not through the window, but actually they broke a hole into the roof and they dropped him down before Jesus and he was healed. The Bible says in Mark 2 and 5, when Jesus saw their faith. Now you know he didn't see it naturally. There wasn't a box that they were carrying around that had F-A-I-T-H on it. And everywhere they'd go they said, this is my faith. You know, they weren't sitting there waiting on, uh, you know, waiting on the bus. And they needed to go to the restroom. So they said, here, hold my faith until I get back. Now, that didn't ha that's not how this was. But yet, and this is so important, their faith was just as real a substance as any natural thing in that building or that room that day. It wasn't perceptible to their senses but it was certainly perceptible in the spiritual dimension. And you have to understand that the spiritual dimension we, is, is the parent dimension. That's where everything you see came from. So what you see here tonight in this room, all the different materials you see, none of them is more real than the spiritual realm that it came from. And I know that I'm kind of going over this a lot, but, but you have got to get this in your spirit to understand that faith 
is a real spiritual substance. It is perceptible in that realm. In the book of Acts, in chapter number 14, let's, uh, let's turn there for just a moment. In verse number 8, we begin to read, well, let's begin actually with verse 7. It says, And they were preaching the gospel there. That's Paul and his company. They were preaching the gospel. Everybody say gospel. So what does that mean? They were just preaching you need to get saved and not go to hell? Well, that's part of it, but that's not all of the gospel. You say, how do you know? Well, we know because of what Jesus shared about the gospel, but also we know because of what we're getting ready to read about the gospel. So keep this in mind. Verse 7, they preached the gospel. Say, they preached the gospel. What was heard was the gospel. This is really important. It says in verse 8, And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. A certain man. When the word man would be used here, it is obvious that it's not a child. And in Greek culture, I'm, I'm sorry, in Hebrew culture, in Hebrew culture, you weren't really fully a man until you were 30 years old as far as being able to, uh, for instance, to be a rabbi, to be a teacher. That's why Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old because nobody would have paid him any mind as a true full rabbi or teacher until he was 30 years of age. So I don't know about this uh, Gentile place called Lystra, but he wasn't a kid. And the reason I belabor the point about it is because he had been like this for years. Not weeks, not months, but for years he had never been able to walk. So he would be what we might would term, what most people would term, a helpless situation or a hopeless situation. Nothing but the power of God, nothing short of a miracle was going to cause this man to have a normal life. He had never walked all his life. Verse 9 this man heard Paul speaking. Now, what is Paul speaking? Verse 7, the gospel. So he heard Paul preaching, and it says, Paul observing him intently and seeing or perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, that means the miracle was complete. And he had never walked. So you can imagine his legs had no muscle tone. You can imagine that he had no uh, practice to know anything about how to stand on his two feet, much less walk on his two feet. And so just in an instant of time... He was healed. The muscles in his legs were strengthened. The nerves, everything involved with the process of walking was complete in him until he was leaping and walking. This is a miracle. And it happened because this man heard the word. He heard the gospel. And faith came immediately into his life when he heard the truth, so much so that Paul could see that he had faith. Now again, it wasn't a box with F-A-I-T-H written on it. It wasn't a physical thing, because when Paul saw that he had faith, he hadn't walked a step. He wasn't standing up. He wasn't trying to get up. All that happened after Paul spoke. And when this man obeyed in releasing his faith to action, that's when the power of God did everything that was necessary for him to receive from the Lord. And that's how faith works. It shouldn't take six months. I'm not condemning anybody because... Most all of us have been in some faith fights that 
didn't produce an instant result. But I am saying this, at some point, we ought to have the manifestation of that which we're believing for. I think if there is one great fault in our Word of Faith camp is that we rely on this phrase too much. And this phrase is, I'm waiting for the manifestation. I've quit using that terminology. Because even though there is a truth there, what it usually signals, I've found, to most people is this fact, I'm waiting on the thing I'm waiting, I'm waiting. In other words, I'm not really received yet. I'm waiting on something. And usually what is unsaid and what really is happening is people are waiting on a feeling. They're waiting on some kind of a physical something to happen and then they can rejoice and get excited that it's theirs. Faith doesn't get excited after it's done. Faith gets excited when you believe you receive, even when you can't see it, when you can't feel it, when nobody else has any evidence of it, when there is no other evidence but your faith. This is strong teaching. This is strong doctrine for us. But it will make the difference between you waiting forever on something and you having it and moving on to the next faith fight that you'll win. Amen. But one of the keys is to understand that faith is a spiritual substance. Faith is a heavenly materiality. It is a conviction. You know what a conviction is, don't you? A conviction is not uh, you feeling bad because you think you did something wrong. Conviction simply means that you are convinced. That's what a conviction is. Your convictions are those things you are convinced of. Nobody can talk you out of it. You know that you know that you know whatever it is you're, you're, you're convinced of. You're convinced. Well, that's what faith is about. It's about your conviction. It's about what you know that you know that you know. And notice it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Of things hoped for. This idea of hope means uh, expectation. It has to do with trust. It has to do with, with, with just hope. And you know, hope is a wonderful thing. But it takes more than hope to get you healed. It takes more than hope to change your circumstance. Faith comes along and gives substance to the hope. We might say hope is the goal. It's the ideal. It's the highest. It's the best. It's the thing we long for. It's the thing we want. It's the thing we desire. But, and, and as important as that is, and it's extremely important, that alone will not get you what you desire. You have to have faith. There's got to be some spiritual substance. And remember where that substance comes from. It comes from the Word. No wonder God told Joshua when he was getting ready to step into the biggest job of his life, when he was getting ready to take on the biggest challenge of his entire life, upon the death of Moses, when he began to take charge of the leadership of the nation of Israel, God said that he should meditate in the word day and night, that he would make his way prosperous, and then he would have good success. Because it's the word of God that puts a substance under your most fond and ardent desires. It's the Word of God. It's your faith that brings a substance and says, I can have it, and then moves you on even further. I do have it. I receive it by faith. And then I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe. Amen. And so we see these two examples of faith being perceptible in the spiritual dimension. Now notice uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 11 verse 1 again. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence here means proof or conviction. Evidence means proof or conviction. And substance has to do with 
confidence. I use the word conviction, but it has to, work, it has to do with confidence. Evidence has to do with conviction. You know, you don't convict people of a crime in court without evidence. It can't be hearsay evidence. Uh, it, it has to be, you know, to the point where it could be accepted by a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. That's how we convict people in court, so to speak. We use evidence. Well, faith is your evidence. It's your proof, and it's what we have to prove that what we're believing for is real. Now, think with me for a minute. Faith is the substance. It's the spiritual materiality, the heavenly materiality, the heavenly reality based on the word of Almighty God of the things we are hoping for, and it is the evidence or the proof of what is not seen. So I, can't, I don't have any natural evidence for it. My entire basis for what I believe is in an unseen realm. There's where we check out and we leave probably 90 plus percent even of Christians. Because we were not trained in our lifetimes usually to be believing what we cannot see. As a matter of fact, uh, the world uses the term seeing is believing. And people think that if you believe in what you cannot see, that maybe there's just something wrong with you, that you're fanciful or you're just, you know, you're out of touch, quote unquote, with reality. Uh, but what they don't understand is that the natural world will not change without the power of the unseen spiritual realm. So our faith is substance and faith is evidence, both things. It is proof and it is, so therefore our faith is what we use, it's what we have to prove that what we're believing for is real and, now this is important, and that it is ours now. Because the tense of faith is always now. Faith is. Not faith was, not faith is going to be, but faith is. And so if, if I say I'm in faith, but I'm putting everything off until later, that's where that waiting on the manifestation can trip you up if you're not careful. If I say I'm in faith, if I say I'm believing, but I'm putting everything off until later, then I'm really not in faith. I'm still just hoping. And thank God we, we know enough to hope, but we need more. We need substance and we need proof. And so we use this proof until the thing is obvious. Now, that's the terminology for me that works. Uh, that's what I would prefer. But you do what you want to do, all right? And if it, do what works for you. But I don't use the terminology I'm waiting on the manifestation. I'm just wanting to say that I am believing God and I have proof, I have faith until whatever it is I'm believing for is obvious in the seen realm because I have it now. I've got it in my spirit. It's real to me now. And I'm telling you, the fight of faith is not a flesh fight. It's not a fight with a person. It's, it's, it's not a fist fight or a word fight with people. But the fight of faith is keeping hold of faith and not casting away your confidence until that which you have believed you received is obvious to anybody else. If you can see it, then you don't need any faith. If you can feel it, that it's already there, you don't need any faith. Faith is needed when there's something in the natural that needs to be changed or needs to be moved. And faith is the only thing that will do it. Then that's when your faith is needed. And so therefore, it becomes the only proof. There will be times when the only proof you are healed is based on what God said. It's your faith. 
The only evidence you have that you are healed, that you are healthy, will be what God has said. In other words, your faith is your only evidence. There are times that the only evidence you have that the need is met is your faith. The numbers aren't there on the bank statement. The, the, the doctor's report, the doctor's test does not show the healing at, at a particular time, perhaps. So the only faith you have is the Word of God. Or the only, only evidence, rather, you have is the Word of God, your faith. That's pretty radical. It really is pretty radical. But the thing you've got to understand is, you're not the one making it happen. This is not about us working to get to a place where finally we please God and finally we've crossed all the T's and we've dotted all the I's and, and now, you know, God really just kind of owes it to me. Because I've made X number of confessions, I've read X number of scriptures, I've done it X number of times a day, and I, uh, you know, I, I didn't cuss for three days straight, and I've been honest for four days, and I'm really doing, I'm on a roll, and I'm doing pretty good. And uh, so, Lord, you know, that, that, I'm sure that I'm going to get my healing now. If you think in any way like that, and I know I'm being a little facetious here, but if you think in any way like that, that that's what it's about, you are missing the whole point of faith. Faith is not a work to earn the blessing. Faith is the spiritual reality of receiving what Jesus already worked for and provided. You will never earn your healing. You will never earn prosperity. You will never earn righteousness. You will never earn peace. You'll never earn a move of the Spirit. You will only receive by faith, and that's what pleases God is when we say I'm through with my labor I'm through with my working I'm through with trying to earn it I'm through with trying to please my own mental self based on my religious past and what I was taught or not taught and I am ready now Lord to say I receive what you have for me and I declare it is mine and I will not back away from it in the name of Jesus I'm going to shout like it's mine I'm going to dance like it's mine I'm going to praise like it's mine. I'm going to plan my future like it's mine. And I refuse anything else. Yeah. Hallelujah. Why? Because I have substance spiritually in my life. And I have spiritual evidence that is beyond the natural. The natural world will just have to catch up. It'll just have to catch up. And I'm not looking and feeling and waiting all the time on, on some feeling or something to go away or something to quit happening or something to do this or that or the other thing to determine and decide when I'm healed. I believe I receive. That's what faith is about. It's mine. I have it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes that point of contact to release faith was, is in a prayer line, as we call it, with a laying on of hands. Sometimes it's in a situation where people are anointed with oil and prayed the prayer of faith over them by the elders. Sometimes it's in a prayer of agreement. Sometimes it might be through the manifestation of gifts of the Spirit that cause uh, things to happen within a, the context even of a service that would be supernatural and that would, would reveal the power of God and the blessing of God to a person. It could be just as their own, their own prayer of faith individually. Or it could be just the fact that they do Mark 11, 22, 23, have faith in God for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And just keep on saying and keep on saying and keep on saying and keep on saying. Do away with all the sickness talk. Do away with all the pain talk. 
Do away with telling everybody your troubles. You don't need people to worry over you. You don't need people to pet you. You don't need people to be so concerned about you. You need people to believe with you. Healed people don't need your pity. Healed people don't need your sympathy. Healed people don't need you to feel sorry for them. Healed people need you to shout with them, praise with them, dance with them, confess with them, and declare the truth with them. Hallelujah. It's a whole culture of believing. It's a whole culture of grace and receiving what God has done through Jesus Christ that most of the world has no clue about. And sadly, many Christians don't even have a clue about it. But it is a real way of living. You know that man there at Lystra? He heard Paul speak one time. Paul didn't say, I've written a book. Take it home. Read it five times and come back next week. Well, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> he didn't say, take this list of scriptures. Now, I confess scriptures every day. And I like good books. And I like to study. So I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Those things are good and they are important but if you do those things thinking I'm going to do it enough to earn my healing, you're not going to make the connection. Paul didn't say, confess 1 Peter 2.24, which hadn't been written yet. He didn't say, he didn't say confess uh, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 a dozen times every day. And in two weeks' time, we'll lay hands on you and you might get healed. That's not what happened. No, when this man heard Paul speak, and Paul was preaching the gospel, which means, of course, it's a right now message. You know, I know that, that, that not everybody here is a preacher, but I do, I just say this anyway to preachers. Maybe some preacher is hearing, some of you are ministers, but, but we, we, you can even preach in such a way that, that you put people off. I don't mean put them off like offending them, but I mean you cause them to put off their blessing. The gospel is now. Faith is now. The Bible is now. We don't need to come to church thinking, well, you know, next week we're going to have a blowout. No, we need to come every time we come knowing this is the blowout. This is when God moves. This may be the last time we ever have church. The Lord Jesus may come back. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. Every time I come, I'm expecting God to move. I'm expecting something to happen. I'm expecting a word to go forth that will cause even a lifelong cripple to get up and leap and walk. Hallelujah! Now that man could have not obeyed. He could have said, you know, and we're talking about he didn't, what Paul didn't say. Well, what did the man not say? The man didn't say, well, don't you see I'm crippled? He never said, I'll try. He never said, if this doesn't work, you're going to hear from my lawyer. No, he just simply did what the man of God told him to do. And I'm convinced that one reason that we men and women of God maybe don't make more faith commands that are obeyed immediately and cause a miraculous thing to happen quickly is because we're, we're not preaching a right now gospel like we need to so that that anointing and inspiration would come upon us to make the command of people to rise and walk in Jesus' name. We've got to change our viewpoint and our attitude to the now. Faith is... It's not something we're going to have. It's something we do have. Faith is. That's what we're teaching about. Faith is. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith is now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so it's important for us to, to understand that believing is more than hoping. Believing is more than hoping. Let's, let's go to Matthew 21 for, for a moment, and we're getting ready to close down. Obviously, we're not done with our topic tonight. And next Wednesday, Brother Taylor is ministering next Wednesday night. Amen. He can even wear his uniform to preach if he wants to. He preach on the authority of the believer. Amen. Anyway, he's out there.
He's out there protecting you, praise the Lord. But anyway, uh, he's going to minister. But when I get here again, two weeks from tonight, we're going to get back into this. Amen? In Matthew 21 and verse number 20... No wonder I, it's not working. I'm, I'm looking at Matthew 22. I want to go to Matthew 21 and 22. But I want to read verse 21 as well. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt. Now this is the companion of Mark eleven, twenty-four. This is Matthew's way of wording it. And he says, if you have faith and do not doubt. You will not only do what, is done, what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, this is like the companion to 23, then the next verse 24 of Mark 11. But also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Look at verse 22. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Believing equals receiving so if I'm not receiving I'm not believing that is a very important truth believers receive I've had to deal with issues in my life and I'm sure that probably most of us have to from time to time where if we will be honest, we have to say, I'm not receiving. It's not God's problem. The problem's never on God's end. I mean, he couldn't do more than he's already done. He, he gave himself. He, he robed himself in flesh. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came to the earth, became your substitute, my substitute. He didn't commit any sin that he died for. And he was never sick until he was sick with my sicknesses. And according to Galatians chapter 3, hearkening back even to the Old Testament, he became a curse. Everyone that hangs on a tree is a curse. He was cursed in my place. He took my infirmities. He took my sicknesses the same day that he took my sins. And I think many times we've looked at that as a two-tiered or two-fold thing. And we need to change and adjust our thinking about that. Because we've thought about forgiveness and we've thought about righteousness and we've thought about the new birth and we seem to have no problem believing that God could forgive us of all of our past and so we don't go around every time we come to church moping around and uh, about what we did 20 years ago wondering if we're forgiven for that thing we said eight years ago that lie we told or that that you know, whatever we did five years ago you know we don't do that why because our faith is built in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Well, the thing about it is, healing is not a separate issue. The same price bought both. You do not have to choose. You know, some of you, maybe all of you, have been in a situation where you've, you've stayed at a hotel or a, a bed and breakfast or whatever, some kind of accommodation, lodging accommodations. And in the, uh, when you, when you re rented your room, breakfast was included. Well, let me tell you, when you got saved, healing was included. Now, you may not come down to breakfast. You, you know, you, you might not get the bacon and eggs. But it's paid for. Why wouldn't you? Healing's paid for. It's not a different thing. It's not on a different ticket. Same charge. If it was $120 for a night and included breakfast in the morning, you're going to pay $120 whether you eat the breakfast or not. Why not eat the breakfast? And what I'm saying is, Jesus paid. Why wouldn't I receive it? Why wouldn't I take it? Why wouldn't I declare that it's mine? And I don't care what people think. I don't care what they say. They can think I'm a nut all they want to, but I'm a blessed nut. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you, you want to take it. So, so I've, I've just had to deal with these issues in my life, and I'm sure you have as well. 
If I'm honest before God and honest with myself, which is the only way to be, if I'm not receiving, then something on my end is stopping the believing part. I've got to get this figured out. And I think a big part of it, and we'll talk more about it when we do this again, another, when we do part two of this, but a big part of it is that thing where people, they just kind of hurry through the faith prayer, and then they go into this waiting mode. And really, they say, we, we say sometimes we're waiting on the manifestation, when the reality is we're waiting to receive. And that's not how faith works. Faith is not waiting to receive. Faith is receiving. Now. 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 Hallelujah. Father, help us to see the truth we need to see. Help us to understand your word clearly. Father, I thank you tonight that you are our Savior. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. How wonderful, how glorious, how good you are. And I thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to see these truths in a way that we need to see them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tackle in our minister's class tomorrow night. Uh, this topic of divine healing and we're using Brother Bosworth's book as a textbook one of the best ones we could look at but God has brought to us wonderful revelations of different things and he's opening up our eyes in the body of Christ to see things we've not seen before or seen in certain ways before to help us get better results so I just throw out there, you know, even if, you're, if you've never been to one before, if you're interested in that, so you're welcome to come and sit in on it. We have, a, we have a wonderful group of folks who are called the ministry, and they come and study with us. And, of course, that's not all we're going to talk about tomorrow night, but uh, it's something very important to us. God wants this to be a healing place. And I'm sure that this is not the only church I'm sure really every New Testament church should be but I'm convinced that we have an assignment in this area we've got to we've got to fine tune our thinking we've got to fine tune our believing and we've got to learn the flow and the move of the Holy Spirit and be yielded to obey so that we can see the greatest manifestations that we've ever seen Many of us have received from the Lord. We've been blessed. We've been healed. God's taken marvelous care of us. But there's so many people that just don't know. And so um, you can pray with us about that. And be ready as God moves. Thank you, Jesus. I was asked to uh, pray over a, a prayer cloth to send to Valerie, with Valerie to her mom. And... Um, so I have several because there might be others who, who, uh, who would want to take one. But we're going to pray over this right now. And we're going to believe God for the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. We're expecting results. When this gets to whomever it's taken to, we expect the power of God to flow into their body and to begin the process of healing with them. That immediately... The power of God touches them. Father, I thank you for the anointing that's here and the anointing for miracles, the anointing for healing. I believe you, Lord, that it goes in these pieces of cloth and that when it's taken to the sick, the infirmed, that every symptom leaves, anything that is caused by the devil directly, any kind of demonic activity, we don't mean necessarily they are possessed of the devil, but that the devil has attacked their body in some kind of a way, that there would be a spirit of infirmity of any kind. We rebuke this thing. We rebuke it in Jesus' name, and we say, Satan, take your hands off God's property. These continuing and lingering symptoms, these chronic illnesses, as the devil keeps 
trying to bring this back again and again and again. Satan, we serve notice on you. Your power is broken. You cannot do this. You will not do this. You cease in your operations. You desist in your activity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If you need one, lift your hand. Tammy will get you one there. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord a moment. Lift your hands to the Lord and praise Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are healed. We're not trying to be. We're not going to be. We are healed. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to put it off to some future date or future time. Healing is ours now. Peace belongs to us now. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the anointing. We sent your presence here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit flows even in these pieces of cloth and they go to those who are sick or infirmed in any way. They flow into their body. The power flows into their body and affects the healing and the cure. In Jesus' name, amen. devil plans to kill you. I just wanted to shock you with that <laughs> because I want you to understand that you don't play around with symptoms. You don't play around with things that are not right. You jump on those things and you take your faith to work. You put the devil in his place which is under our feet and you don't mess around about it. I know the devil had a strategy to try to kill me and as I was dealing with situations, one of the things I realized and one of the things that I, I was blessed to have a revelation and to do was to deal with, with spiritual force that had dogged me for quite a long time. I wasn't lost. I wasn't backslidden. It wasn't some terrible, sinful thing. But it was... It was, it was uh, a spirit of infirmity. It moved into an area of oppression and I realized I, I, I just have to deal with this. And you know, I did. And it's amazing. You see, you can be born again. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can work for God. You can go to church. You can pay your tithes. You can receive blessings in other areas. But anywhere you allow the the devil to get in even if you don't realize what's going on for a while he'll come anywhere he can and some of you you just need to take the devil to the woodshed you know you, you really do you just need to you know if, if you're if you're plagued in any way with with any kind of spirit of fear any kind of spirit premature death, if there's anything that, that the devil's trying to harass you over, if there's any feeling of anxiety or heaviness, if every time you have every reason to be happy, you have every reason to be uh, joyful and everything's going fine, but it seems like there's just something always nagging at you, this could go wrong, that could go wrong, whatever it may be. I'm describing a lot of different things here, but these are areas that you need to understand, this is, that's satanic oppression. Those are ways the devil's trying to get into your life. And when spirits manifest enough, they will, it will have physical effect in your body. And at times, it will have mental effect in people's lives. I'm not talking about demon possession because we see very little of that in the United States. And those that are possessed basically with the devil in our culture today 
generally those people are warehoused. I use that term on purpose. We drug them. We get them to the point where they can almost not function and we put them away somewhere in a warehouse. We lock them away in a home or whatever, a people warehouse. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to deal with it. Well, you may, you may hide the devil in the back room, but your medicines and your procedures will not get rid of his spirit. The name of Jesus will. Isn't it amazing when you read the Gospels how many times Jesus dealt with devils? Have you ever wondered why churches today almost say nothing about that? I'm not saying that we want to make a sideshow of demons. And I'm not saying we want to go to seed on the subject of demons. But I, I have begun to have a revelation of the fact that there is more demon activity in churches than most people want to admit. Not every demon is going to make you kill somebody. Not every demon is going to make you be stark raving mad. There are various kinds of spirits that need to be dealt with. Jesus dealt with them a lot. And people got free. It wasn't a process, really. It was always a freedom. It wasn't a sideshow. But they were free. And I believe that he's looking for churches that will deal with those kind of things now as well. Because if anybody has even half of their brain working, they'd have to know that our world is full of demonic activity. Our culture is overran with it. Our entertainment world is overran with it. Our political world is full of it. And there's lots and lots of people that have these unexplainable, inexplicable, uh, chronic stuff that they just don't know why it's there. They don't know how to get rid of it. They don't know what's going on. Uh, and even though they've got all this good stuff in their life, they're still not happy. All that points to the fact that the devil's having a heyday. So you might need to just start taking authority when you get up in the day. And I don't mean get into legalism about it either. I'm just talking about if you've never done so, you just need to put the devil in his place. Let him know that you know. Amen? I've opened up a big can of worms and I'm out of time. Father, we thank you for your word. May the blessing of God rest on every person here as we go. May the rest of this week be the best of the week. And Lord, we look forward to Sunday already. We know we're going to have a marvelous time.